Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast for Brain Fact Friday and episode number 129. In this episode, you'll learn how to lessen the impact that COVID-19 has had on our mental health, well-being, and learning by understanding what brain research can teach us about new ways to position learning for our students, tips to rebuild our students' brains after the impact of the global pandemic, the importance of motivation, learning in the brain, and why neuroplasticity is the most important change in the understanding of our brain in the past 400 years. Welcome back. I'm Andrea Samadhi, a former educator who's been fascinated with understanding the science behind high-performance strategies in school, sports, and the workplace for the past 20 years. If you've been listening to our podcast, you'll know that we've uncovered that if we want to improve our social and emotional skills and experience success in our work and personal lives, it all begins with an understanding of our brain. We also know that mental health is brain health and that research demonstrates that students who receive social, emotional, and mental health support achieve better academically. School climate, classroom behavior, on-task learning, and students' sense of connectedness and well-being are all improved as well. As May is Mental Health Awareness Month, it's clear that mental health disorders are a worldwide concern, magnified with the effects of the global pandemic. Here in the United States, four in 10 adults have reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, up from one in 10 adults who reported these symptoms from January to June of 2019 before the pandemic. And we know that young adults are already at risk for poor mental health, but these statistics, along with some comments from some of the educators I speak with often, got me wondering, what will be the long-term impacts of COVID-19 on the mental health of our students in our classrooms, let alone the havoc it's created in the workforce? Since leaving the corporate world in 2012, I've been focused on creating content to help students and educators implement social-emotional skills, character education, practical neuroscience and leadership with a focus on well-being, but the recent changes in our world have got me thinking. What are the long-term impacts of COVID-19 on our students' well-being? How has wearing a mask every day impacted their self-image, their self-esteem, and confidence levels? What will happen to those students who struggle or are still struggling with distance learning? What are some solutions to these questions that we can implement to bridge the gap that was created with this global pandemic? I don't think we're going to be able to solve everything here in this episode, but it's a starting point. What are your thoughts? I'd love to hear from you what are some of the issues you're facing in your schools and workplaces in different parts of the world a year after the global pandemic. These questions bring us to this week's Brain Fact Friday and a reminder from our last episode where we reviewed Dr. Daniel Amen's book, The End of Mental Illness, that we are not stuck with the brain we have. We can change our brain and change our results. 
Whatever impact the global pandemic has had on our students' social, emotional, and cognitive thinking in our schools or those in our workplace, I strongly believe that this impact will not last forever, especially with the application of brain science to guide us through this time. So for this week's Brain Fact Friday, did you know that nature has given us a brain that survives in a changing world by changing itself? Dr. Norman Deutsch, a Canadian distinguished scientist, medical doctor, a psychiatrist on the faculty of the University of Toronto and Columbia University in New York, and the author of The Brain That Changes Itself, that has sold over 1 million copies, and The Brain's Way of Healing said that. Dr. Norman Deutsch is one of the researchers who put neuroplasticity, meaning that neurons, the building blocks of the brain, are changeable or plastic, which means that our brains can change their structure and function through mental experience alone. And he believes this to be the most important change in the understanding of our brain in the past 400 years. So how can this idea of neuroplasticity help us in today's classrooms? Norman Deutsch's book, The Brain That Changes Itself, is full of case studies of people who've experienced chronic pain, Parkinson's disease, traumatic brain injury, autism, ADHD, and even blindness, train new parts of their brain with focused thought and movement alone. If our neural pathways can be rewired and strengthened in these case studies in this book, as well as The Brain's Way of Healing, his most recent book, how can we use this information in today's classrooms to help with our students' well-being? Understanding how our brains work is a crucial next step for accelerating learning in our post-pandemic classrooms with a goal of lessening the learning loss that may have occurred in the past year. So here's three tips to accelerate learning in today's classroom. Tip number one, think of new ways to position learning with the brain in mind. Chapter two of The Brain That Changes Itself features a fascinating story about a woman named Barbara Aerosmith who was born with learning challenges. Tests to her brain revealed that she had extremely strong areas with her audio and visual centers, but her spatial reasoning was weak. Barbara was determined to find ways to improve her learning and found a study by Mark Rosenzweig using rats that helped her to understand the neuroplastic nature of her own brain. This study showed that rats in a stimulating environment had an increase in neurotransmitters, a heavier brain, and more blood flow to the brain. Once Barbara saw that the rats could change their brain, she began a series of mental exercises to help her strengthen the areas of her own brain that were weak, and with time, she brought her deficiencies back up to a normal level. There's more to the story, but I found it fascinating that Barbara Aerosmith was able to overcome her learning challenges using mental exercises and strengthen the parts of her brain that were weak. She later opened the Aerosmith School in Toronto, where she uses many of the techniques that she used on herself with her students. With this case study in mind, can you think of ways that you could use Barbara's story to help your students in the classroom? So to implement this idea in the classroom, whatever challenges your students have faced this past year, remember that our students' brains are resilient, 
And with practice, repetition, and a stimulating environment, they will continue to learn and make academic gains like Barbara did. I'll learn more from Barbara and the school she's built, but it's clear that many students would benefit from knowing what areas of their brain need more work to identify these weak links. This is exactly why looking at your brain is so powerful. Instead of instruction that just repeats the same thing over and over again, missing an opportunity to target learning and instruction. Tip two, strengthening neural pathways in the brain, priming the brain to learn. We know that Mark Rosenzweig's RAD experiment inspired Barbara to improve her learning, but they also taught her that animals raised in enriched environments, surrounded by other animals, objects to explore, toys to roll, ladders to climb, and running wheels, learn better than genetically identical animals that have been reared in impoverished environments. Our learning environment matters. Our brain will grow in the right environment. Dodge mentioned in post-mortem examinations, it was shown that education increases the number of branches among neurons. An increased number of branches drives the neurons farther apart, leading to an increase in the volume and thickness of the brain. Which brings us to the question, is a bigger brain better? And a Stanford neuroscientist would say that some studies claim the answer is yes. So how do we implement this idea in the classroom? This has been a challenging year for everyone, with many students still using distance learning, and it's not easy to have control over your students' learning environment when many students are doing the best they can with their individual circumstances. Take a look at the image in the show notes with the dendrites. You'll see the dendrites in the brain, how they look without stimulation or a stimulating environment versus a stimulating environment. And most teachers I know will get excited about this concept. Our students' brains have been impacted in the classroom, and when they leave, they'll continue to grow and expand from the lesson that you've taught them, whether it's online or not. Their brains will expand, and yes, you have helped to build a stronger, smarter brain. Tip three, the importance of motivation. We did cover the importance of motivation in the workplace on episode number 127, How Our Emotions Impact Learning, Memory, and the Brain, with a reminder that the motivation network of the brain is driven by your instinct and curiosity, which is one of Jack Pancept's core emotions. Pancept was an Estonian neuroscientist who mapped out seven emotional circuits in the mammalian brain, with play being one of them. He also identified another emotion called seeking that keeps us moving forward, engaged in new and interesting activities and work in our lifetime. So if you think your students have lost motivation for their work, it's time to look, or like Pensep would say, seek something that their brain will find new and interesting that will bring them joy. This will engage them at the brain level. Deutsch found that when animals were motivated to learn, their brain responds plastically and stimulating the brain makes it grow in almost every conceivable way. So how to implement this idea in the classroom? Keeping the focus on the joy of learning in difficult times will allow our students' brains to do what they do naturally, learn and grow. Making sure our students and children at home are motivated to learn is the first step in engaging them at the brain level. In reviewing our brain fact for the week, nature has given us a brain that survives in a changing world by changing itself, 
makes me think of the possibility that exists within each of us. I know this past year has revealed many changes for all of us, all over the world, but the science clearly says that our brain has the ability to survive in an ever-changing world. Next week, I'll be speaking with a traumatic brain injury survivor who's built her brain to create an incredible life helping others do the same. I'll see you next week, and I hope this brain fact has given you some new ideas to look at your students, your colleagues, or families, and see the power behind neuroplasticity and the ability for our brain to adapt and change on its own, which I would agree with Deutsch to be the most important change in the understanding of our brain in the past 400 years. See you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 